Hey, Skips. Uh, welcome back to Tales from the Jungle Cruise. So we lost a skip on Sunday morning. Um, sadly, in the last few years, it seems like we've lost too many of them. This one, however, hits close to home because he was a friend of mine, Mark Sumo Sagato. Mark was a friend of mine at Disney and outside the parks, but it all started when I had my first day of line of business orientation. And I'm getting my costume, and this mountain of a man walked up to me with the biggest, happiest, goofiest smile on his face. This guy set the stage for everything I was to experience afterwards at Disneyland. He trained me over at California Adventure, and I got to get his instruction for the very early days of the park over at the Malibuomer and the Orange Stinger. Now, Mark was a skip, and from best reports that I can remember, uh, around 1995, when the rehab for Indy was happening, um, he was too tall, and his head would have hit the rails of the new boats, so he was moved over to monorail and to some other areas of the park. Now, I don't know everywhere it worked, but it sure seemed like everyone, uh, or nearly everyone, knew him. Mark also had a career in sumo and professional wrestling, and one of his highlights, uh, he appeared standing next to Kevin Smith on the, on the Tonight Show, making a lunchbox look small there. Uh, he appeared on movies and television, and uh, once again, I think everyone knew him. He had worked at a Halloween haunt at Knott's for years and years and years. Look, when I go, and I, I hope it's a long way down the road, there's going to be some people who liked me. And will remember me fondly. And there's going to be some people who are going to speak ill of me at the end. You know, I've done some stupid things politically. Not everyone cares for me. I know that. I think that's nearly all of us. Mark, though, everyone loved Mark. He was one of the most loving and beloved people I've ever met. And that's when, in May of 2012, I introduced him to a sweet girl who I had met named Stephanie, who seemed like a great fit. They were... And he was as happy as I ever saw him. So whomever you pray to, send some positive thoughts and love in the universe right now to Mark and to Stephanie. Uh, she needs it right now. If you want to help her out, there's a memorial fund set up at http dot slash slash we love sumo w-e-l-o-v-e-s-u-m-o dot yola site y-o-l-a-s-i-t-e dot com. Even if you never met or knew Mark, please feel free to make a donation. He was an amazing man, and the world is a little darker now because of his passing. So this week's episode will be presented with a slightly different song, because it's just something that makes me think of him right now. The episode after that was taped at a reunion of about 120 West Side cast members from the 80s and early 90s on the 3rd of August here in Anaheim. We got to sit down, uh, have a one-on-one -on -one discussion with uh, Skipper Phil, a uh, skipper named Cisco, as well as a little time with a crazy-ass skip who is only known as Chiefy. I think there were about 80 skips out of that group then, and it was amazing catching up with these people. All right, I think I'm going to go more into about that event next week. Okay, here we go, everyone, and kungaloosh to Mark, and rest in peace, my dear friend.
set it up real quick. Um, guys, we're at the West Side Reunion. we got a lot of skippers here from 1980 to 1991. Um, so we're just going to kind of leave the table open, let people introduce themselves real quick and tell their favorite parts of working at Disneyland. Uh, so let's let's get thrown in. You don't have to throw names. It's... Oh, uh, yeah, okay. It's Phil. Uh, now, and Phil, you were a skipper? Or I you was were... a skipper. You were a skipper. I counted all the numbers on there, and I, I calculated how many years and how many trips a day and how many week and all that, and I think I ended up around 20,000 trips. Yeah, and so, it, if, you, if you do the math on that, at 20,000 trips at 45 people, that's a half a million people yeah. that you were in front of. Now, that's not a bad number for any business. So, you know. No, that's not. That's, that's a, uh, you, you, you corrupted a lot of youth. Is I corrupted a lot of youth. With yeah. bad jokes. Yeah, and had various, there was various dignitaries that came along the times off and on. Uh, the West Side Attractions was a lot of fun back then. So, and it, sometimes you have to look back at it to realize how much fun it was. Because it was a job, you were working, you were doing time. But it's a great place to meet a lot of people that you work with. And as much as you do that in everyday other jobs, office jobs, which obviously most of us are doing now, it was a lot of fun to interact with those people and enjoy doing the work with them. So now, when you were um, when you were working at the resort, were you just jungle? Where, do, where else did you work at? I worked jungle. Uh, I tried to avoid tiki for a long time, but I was eventually drawn into tiki. I learned how to fall asleep and pretty much fall asleep and wake up when the thunder woke you up and open the push the door and I got to go out the door. Um, I got to uh, do treehouse, which was killer when you had a sore back and nobody could come by to break you. You were just on your lonesome. I also did Thunder, did Mark Twain, did Columbia, uh, did Subs, did Pirates on the draw. There may be some other places I'm trying to remember, but basically Adventure in Frontierland. Yeah, now what what was, uh, when did you come on? How long did you stay? When was your your Well, I actually did foods between 82 and 83, 
uh, I worked for half a day in the uh, Tahitian Terrace until they realized it didn't quite fit the mix of people that were there. And I, I had to switch over. And that was Plaza Pavilion for a while, and that was pretty low-key. But the fun part was you took your breaks and you got to sit out in the Jungle Cruise boats. And I went, I think I really liked the Jungle Cruise stuff. Um, but I remember when I first hired for that, I was one of those generic hires coming in, a college kid. And uh, I was told by some friends who were already there, I said, you know, don't do foods, don't do foods. So I went there, and the lady said, well, is there any place you guys would like to be hired? I said, well, anywhere except foods. And she went, oh, but why not? So I went, yeah, crap. All right, sure, no problem. Yeah, okay. So I did that, but I left because I did some other things, and I came back in the uh, fall of... Uh, 84 and that was just after a lot of the strike stuff happened um, so I got to meet a lot of people that were from the from the pre-strike time that was still there and I did do the jungle I wanted to do jungle cruise and uh, I think I first wanted to do some tour guide stuff I like doing that but since they had taken away all the tickets it was kind of a different scenario there yeah so there was a lot less of them out there and so I went with the uh, with the jungle cruise stuff and uh, I think Steve Tubner, uh, Steve Trainly, shouldn't say that name, you can X that name out. I think Steve Trainly, uh, nice guy, a lot of fun, and uh, I enjoyed it. I didn't wear out my, my throat too fast early on. I didn't realize that was going to happen. Well, I like the aspect of entertaining people, having a little more freedom to do some more things than just push a button, smile, and wave, and say welcome. Now, do, do you think that the um, the jungle experience did it stay with you after you left the park? I mean, you're well, it did. You're looking I, at you know 20, 25 years later. Do you do you feel like it's part of who you are as a person? Well, I mean, absolutely. I mean, one of the key things. I mean, Disney. Uh, I know a lot of places like airline industry and so on. They really like the Disney people because they know how to work with people. Well, on the Jungle Cruise, you interacted with them a lot more than in the other rides. Now they needed a lot of people to run the ride, so it took a lot of people. So if you went to Adventure on Tierland. You were working on Jungle. That was it, because that was the ride was uh, not as dangerous as other rides were, uh, and it took a lot of people to run it. So everybody went there. But you learned to work with people of all shapes, sizes, uh, attitudes, everything. And you learned to work with the. Uh, you know, I, I remember training people. We did a lot of training on them. I'm training kids how to work when they did things like grad nights and with the unruly people and how to escalate the right way before you had to go to you know land of. Uh, you know, you slipped over that slippery slope, and that's the end of it. But uh, you could work for a while to kind of ease things up without having problems. But you got to work with a lot of people, a lot of the guest interactions, and that did help me work, uh, understand people a little bit more. You know, it's one of the things we've kind of repeated over and over for the podcast is that for people who are uh, just going, getting out of high school, going to college, that a year at Disney improves their you know, uh, their their face, their experience in the workforce. Yeah, because, you know, where else are you going to work in a corporate environment with tons of people, you know, that gives you the ability to really learn that Disney gives you. I mean, it's a really different, you know, animal. Yeah, it definitely is. And did, did you have any uh, either celebrity stories or any, any moments that, that really stuck out for you as being like... I'm sure there's a bunch, but a lot of them have to be raised up from the back recesses of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I've had various people along. Uh, I just remember I wasn't on the, the, the boat when um, uh, our, our favorite boxer was there with his new bride, Bridget. And uh, I just remember, I forget who funny had to take him out there, but all they did was make out in the back of the thing, so he was useless in the front of the boat. Uh, so you're saying Stallone is what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. We can say Sorry. their names. I know, I just was, yeah. It was Sylvester. Um, 
I had George Schultz on the boat that was a Secretary of State for a while. Um, there's other people on Mark Twain, other boats I've had up there. You get to talk to people on Mark Twain a little bit more if you bring them yeah, up to the yeah, wheelhouse. So. Well, and mostly, mostly the, the VIP tours or any one of the plaid, yeah, well, they I, would always bring them up to the wheelhouse for that. Yeah, know? well, actually, yeah, for a while when um, Disney International was trying to get uh, everybody in Europe warmed up, uh, I started doing some escort VIP translator tours for the for the Disney International. Yeah. So uh, I'd spend a week uh, taking them around the park and working with them and then going to other places like Newport Beach and taking tours and it was great for that because I got to talk to those people, various bankers and reporters and so on from uh, various countries. Yeah. Uh, Which is funny because that now sounds a lot like the uh, Adventures by Disney that they have where you know people get to go to Hollywood and they, you know, it's it's uh, they're doing tours of the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Well, what this was was this was trying to butter up all the people to in, for Europe to invest in the Paris. Sure. And it's it's done so well. It's been a you know yeah. premium. Well, they got enough people invested in that they wasn't going to go anywhere else. But yeah. there was a lot of people, the reporters from Belgium and Germany and Italy and so on, and a bunch of us would go with them from seven in the morning to like eleven o'clock at night, um, and that was fun. So I got to not have to do the other odds and ends and then, and then do that. Um, but yeah, we would bring them up to the wheelhouse, obviously, and. Uh, they'd ask me how many burgers a day would be consumed, you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, um, now, now, by you or by guests? No, by by our VIPs. Okay, I was just checking about how many how many burgers do you personally eat yeah. versus are consumed at the park? On yeah, the no idea, no idea. Uh, so what we need is a few more people to come around and help remind me of things that I did or didn't do. Yeah, well, got, I'm, got I'm, a, I'm trying got to get stuff. Well, I, uh, one small thing I do remember. Um, in Florida, uh, they do have a freezing problem more than we do in California. Yeah. But a lot of people don't realize that there is a fan, a heater fan, set up on the main island in front of Jungle Cruise. And <laughs> I discovered that one day. Um, a gentleman we like to call Chuck uh, was the lead that day and basically kicked me out of rotations. And we decided to go over there to investigate it. And that was kind of interesting because I've seen it. I've been to Florida. And I'd seen that and realized that we had one here, and I saw it. So we decided to try it. So it was all fully functioning, and we raised it all the way up, and it went really, really, really high. The problem was when it went down, all the air escaped very, very, very loudly, and we were sure they could hear it on Main Street and everywhere else. <laughs> we did that. But there was nowhere to go except down with so it. What, so it was a heater out in the jungle? Yeah, it's for... a giant fan that has heaters set up so if the temperature drops too low, sure. like the crops. It's for horticulture to yeah. make sure that make sure that everything yeah. stays alive. And we actually had one there. It was never used every time we were there. But we yeah. made sure it was mechanically functioning. Oh, that's so. good. That's always a good thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I will say that you've surprised me. That's one of the first times I've, I've been genuinely surprised by jungle knowledge. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we didn't know that about that one until we found it. So um, I do know that around 85 to 87 was when they finally cleared out the rest of the uh, generically artificial things out of that. Yeah. You know, other than the animatronics. Um, uh, there's plenty of stories about, you know, doing the uh, double squirter trick. I'm sure you've heard of that. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, I, well, and actually, I don't know if you've, if you've ridden the ride in the last two years. The squirter is now mysteriously gone. No, but I assume things are down and up and down for maintenance, and sometimes they don't yeah, come back. Th this actually is a little longer than that, and there's there's actually a feeling by the current cast that it's not going to come back. Well, I did get a supervisor rather wet one time. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all they, got... They, they, they chose that front corner spot, and they were watching me and watching me, and this boat was one of the boats that accidentally had problems with the transmission, yep. and I hadn't quite gauged it quite right. 
So I was being extra generous and enthusiastic. When I threw in reverse, off of the, of the first three seconds, absolutely nothing happened. So it was coming in, and it came across, and I tried to block it with my hat, and the supervisor just kind of stared at me with it. Are you really kidding me? And uh, nothing happened from that, but, you know, they weren't the happiest about that. Well, yeah. I, I think we oh, all... Oh, showed up. I, I think we all have had our moments. Yeah. Hey. So, yeah, yeah. No, the, the squirter was, you know, I think everyone everyone got wet at least once. It, you know, it was part of the nature nature of the job to make sure it was there. Well, often we do do the deadheads, and then we do a deadhead behind another guy, and we'd catch him. Yeah. And we'd force him to get squirted on. We didn't mind branding and hitting those boats occasionally. So. Uh, the older boats were a lot more fun. Yeah, the new the new boats they seem to think are made out of glass. They're a little more delicate. Any yeah. any boat bumping would. Well, they can't take any water, right? Yeah. Um, when it's raining. No, no, they they're fine when it's raining. Yeah, when it rains, uh, the the canopies aren't as good. So they do get quite a bit of water on the inside, but the ballast system it actually pumps them out. There's a pump. There's a switch that'll actually kick the water out and ballast it out. Okay. Well, the, when they started trying to change the idea to have them where they could roll them up with a Velcro, sure, sure. They had a, a you know industrial strength Velcro, and it still wasn't enough because yeah. it would get dirty and grimy and it wouldn't stay clean. Yeah. And then you'd get a big run of that, and it would just dump on a guest. Yeah. No. There's a bilge pump now that if you start taking on too much water, you can actually bilge out any water in the bottom of the boat. And if it's a rainy day, you run the bilge pump on a regular regular run for it so yeah i did remember i was just saying before uh, i did make a training uh manual basically and i talked to somebody who said it was there for quite a while until they'd made all the adjustments you know yeah. uh well the indie the 95 indie re- re- rehab was the big well when they did the stuff going back to the storage they adjusted all that and made oh, a, oh oh yeah the, the dominguez switch and all the yeah yeah, because the back switches, they, they were the old-fashioned style where you had to stop everything to back it off rather than that off, which is a great idea. Yeah. So we were there when it was draining one day, and we said, hey, let's go take a couple of trainees out. And we went all out there uh, with it all drained, and then we were showing where all the levels were so you could see and understand where the rail is and what you have to do or what you can't do, yeah. especially when you come out of the all the famous place by the Skull Canoe where all the stuff gets narrow and shallow after being deep and wide, yep. and that's why everything gets derailed there. Although some people try very heavily to do that. Sometimes you had to know how to do that quite right. You could do it, but you knew how to avoid it. So we were taking all the pictures from the levels and we're wearing the waders and everything. Uh, but that was fine. And that was used for quite a while until it just didn't work anymore because everything had shifted underneath. Yeah, yeah a bunch of new stuff. Well, I think every 10 years there's there's revisions to things and new... Well, the spiel and everything, too. The spiels have changed over time because the ones we got in the early 80s felt like they were from the 50s. And it was still pretty sad, but luckily there was enough where you had like a, a, a very generic one, one that was a little bit crazy, and one that had something that referenced something from the late, you know, 50s or early 60s, and it was pretty sad, but you didn't have to use it. Yeah. Well, they, they've, they've gone back to being purely 50s and 60s references. No one gets the jokes that are there. It's it's And it's very OG-centric where you've got to be on those scripts. But to see if there's somebody who would work a little bit better at that, you can get stuff that's a lot more current but safe. Yeah. You can do yeah. that. You just have well, to be careful. And I think it has to be things that are in the spirit of the jungle, <clears throat> and I think that's where people fall off the boat, that there are, you know, not literally. Um, but, you know, there's that concept of there's the jokes that work within the spirit of the jungle and then the things that are just a little too crazy and you know, modern well, day. The idea to a point is most people understand they're not in the deep, dark jungle. You can't suddenly really, as you're, you know, going up the Ganges River or something like that. Yeah. But uh, you still need to have the idea that you're trying to keep in the theme of that as well as the theme of Disney. 
So you make a reference to something over in bear country, it doesn't really work, but right. you can still do something in general that works. Right. Yeah. All right. Bathroom break and uh, yeah. two shots later. Yeah. Well, at, at any good jungle skipper, two shots is a good thing. Yeah, it's when we start getting around four or six shots that there's a problem. Yeah. We enjoy doing the shots. We, do, we enjoy doing shootouts uh, in the hippo pool. That was always fun. Ah, bang, shooting crazy everywhere. But the sad part was we know that we're always right there by Main Street. And Main Street would hear everything. So, oh well. It's whether we felt we could do it or not. There were times when supervisors would threaten to, to come on board. You never knew all of them. They would come on board and they would listen and stuff. But uh, for the most part, if you just kept it, you know, enthusiastic and fun, it worked out all right. Was it Mike Hagman that would hide out in the jungle? What's that? Was it Mike Hagman that would hide out in the jungle? Uh, Mike Hagman. Uh, no, some people. Vaughn. Would... Mike. Mike Vaughn. Oh, I had problems with, with that man, with that gentleman. He and I did not get along. I had to apologize him after after yelling at him. No, you don't say it. There, there's some personal names about that, you know. That's fine. We'll, we'll slice it. Nice some people, stuff. some people would be in there uh, to observe uh, in the middle of the uh, jungle, hiding so they could be uh, listen to the spiel. Yeah, and, uh, and that so continued. We, yeah, we had that constant possible threat, but generally, you would sit there and we would hear about it. Nothing would happen. We'd realize it was just an idle threat. Occasionally, it would do it, but very few and far between. <laughs> and for the most part, you would just get a basically a saying, "Hey, you shouldn't do that," and that was the end of it. And I think that I'm sure at the time that there was also a sense of self-regulation, self-policing. Well, if you treated people properly, more or less, the the, the, the cast members would do a good job. Not too many of them were out there to destroy and ruin anything. They wanted to enjoy things, and if you kept them rotating enough different places, they wouldn't die in one spot all the time. Um, and you didn't try to crowd them out and treat them like they're 12, then they would do a good job. If you want to treat them like 12, they'll act like 12. That's kind of what happened a lot of times. So if you could be more mature about it, it would work out fine. They would see the bigger picture, and they would make sure the guests are enjoying themselves, have a good time. And yeah, you wouldn't have to tailor that. If you had a bunch of, you know, a, a bunch of Japanese tourists, we had a bunch of, a bunch of little teenagers, you know, that were from Anaheim. You had to tailor things a little bit differently. Uh, and that, again, that's one nice thing about the jungle you could do that would be different. You could adjust that slightly and still make it work. So, you know, these X number of years, whatever the X number is later, what's, is there, a, when people say, you know, you tell them you worked in the jungle cruise, is there a single story or a single, like, you know, end of the, the, the comment that you let them know about your time there, about what it meant to you? Well, or? for the most part, I just tell them that, you know, I really enjoyed working with a lot of the people. It was a fun time. You got to meet the guests as well, which a lot of them were really nice to talk to and meet and make their experience that much better. You really learn a whole lot about uh, customer service there. And customer service, everybody needs that, whether it's internal or external customer service. You're yeah. still working that. So uh, a lot of my personality, I think, comes from honing the skills there. For when I work with everybody, I get along with everybody. I get their enthusiasm, and I can then uh, lead them to do what I need them to do so that I can help implement some activity or something in the business workplace. Uh, I get better success at doing that because I'm more persuasive, and I work with them better, and I'm honest and straightforward with them rather than being fake. Cool. Awesome. I'm going to get to somebody else. Thank you much very yep. much, Skip. All right. Thanks a lot. I always appreciate it. So, yeah, so number two, uh, Cisco. Hi. Pleasure meeting you. Uh, guys, we're uh, interview number two. We're sitting here at the West Side Skipper Gather. Uh, yeah. Skipper Cisco, when did you work at the uh, the happiest place on earth? <laughs> um, I first became a cast member, this was probably 1990. So, it was like my freshman year in college. Okay, cool. And now, now were you a college program or were you. No, no. Um, I dated a lot of college program people. 
as that was that was like prime like target rich environment. No, I actually got into a friend. He said you should try it, um, and I did. And God knows why they it, gave it, me a choice. It, it was it, either canoes or jungle cruise. It, it's funny how many things I got into because a friend recommended it. You know, it's it's, it's the showbiz showbiz thing. So no, yeah. so you were there uh, ninety till about when ninety, and I left in ninety four. So four oh, so years. That's a pretty good run. That was right before narrations. Um, ninety five was narrations, was it? I I think so. Yeah, this was this was back in it was the original nine five one. There was only like two females ever. I know. You know, uh, Aaron Millet was like one of them, and then like Subi was the other. Yeah, and we're gonna get Subi on, yeah. on it. So okay, so what what was your big at that time? What was the big impetus to just come over because it was a job, or did you just it love was jungle? It was a well, it was a job at first. I thought it'll be cool to work Disneyland, and once I started getting in the jungle. Um, it became this whole new thing, and, and you know, and anybody who works at the park will tell you, um, it becomes a life. Yeah. So like my roommate, who's one of my best friends, we were young together. My entire they were my wedding. It's like that was who you were when you weren't at school. You were at work. Yeah. And it just became like a, a little nuclear family of sorts. Like a fraternity of <laughs> very much. Uh, yeah. Those rules yeah. you couldn't date above or below your pay grade and stuff like that. <laughs> no, seriously, there was like attractions. You can go up to like guest services. You can date attractions. You can go down one level and date merchandise, yeah. but you couldn't date foods. Well, and ODV was playing out of the picture. Well, no, ODV was different because they got to move around, oh, so okay. it didn't count. So it was, so you could date someone because then you wouldn't have to see them when you're done with them. That's right. They could well, just go off on And plus, you know, in the original 951, dating was, it was less uh, complicated because there weren't a whole lot of girls. So yeah. you had to either go to New Orleans Critter Country... Or you had to go across right, Main right. Street into like adventure. I mean, now, you know, I guess we should hit this because yeah. you and I know because of our experience what the nine five one is. Yes, I, I have a large podcast audience who has not yet heard the term. Oh. <clears throat> okay, well the nine five one nine five one is the department yep. adventure frontierland attractions. Yep. Around my time, and actually I had a transition time. About the third year into it, this was probably nineteen ninety three. <clears throat> New Orleans Critter Country kind of merged with Adventure for Dealing Attractions. And yep. so everyone became 951. It was yep. 951 and then 956. Yeah, and then this all became all West Side. <clears throat> it became West Side Attractions or Attractions yep. West. Right. Um, but prior to that, when you'd say 951, basically it meant you were on Jungle Cruise, Columbia, the boats, yep. or you were on Thunder. And at the time, it was called Club Thunder because you had to have unanimous approval in order to be trained on Thunder. Oh, so you had to have a little bit more. And that was that the same way with all of the roller coasters in the park? Were they all a little bit more I couldn't speak to the other yeah. ones I in the park, but, it, but basically it was just, um, in order to get Thunder, it was like not everyone got to be trained on it. Yeah. And so it was kind of like a big deal. They're like, oh, I'm finally getting trained on Thunder. And once you got on there, you never wanted to go back to Jungle Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> See, it was funny. I actually didn't want to go to Thunder because it was too much pressure. It was, yeah. Because that's mean, a little scary. I mean, all the... It does. I mean, people get hurt sometimes. Yeah. And, uh... Well, because I, because I, when I hired in, it was California Adventure. Oh. And it was the California Screaming was where they wanted to put me originally. Ah. And they make you walk the steps up to that, like, top of it. Because you have to evac. Yeah, I don't like heights. That no, be good I was not. I'm a short, <laughs> stout little guy. And if I fell, it would be like... So much more momentum built up. So <laughs> it's physics. It's physics. So, um, so yeah. So when you were in the jungle side of things, yep. um, you know what was? Um, we, it's a short time. We get like ten, fifteen minutes to, to hit. Um, did you have anything that when, when people say, "Oh, you worked at the jungle cruise," yeah. tell me a story? What's what's the thing? What's the thing that gels it all for you? Um, it, it it depends. So it's like. <clears throat> 
you go through different stages, like yeah. the stages of grief, right? It is. First, you're not really sure what you're doing, and then you kind of get into it and you enjoy it. And then after a while, and, and people have different levels of patience with the ride. Yep. Um, the people actually end up making it sane through their entire tenure. Um, I, I don't trust them. No. Those are the people I, I, don't, I don't think they're right. the right ones. Um, I got in it, and it's funny because when people ask me to this day, like, oh, you used to do that, it's really cool, you know. Um, I had a good time. Yep. It was fun. Um, but every boat of, like, 30 people who get on, <clears throat> they're all different. And I was able to pride myself in such a way that I could tell in the first 30 seconds what kind of boat it would be. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And depending on how well the boat is and the demographic of the boat and who they were, I could tailor my jokes. See, and you got lucky because yours were 30-person trips. Yep. The, the boats post-95 were 48. That's tougher. That'd it's, be tougher. It, it actually is It's good and bad because you have a bigger distribution of humor. Yep. But you could also have a bigger dud. Yo, no. If, you I mean, have a higher high was, or a lower low. Yeah, if I knew they weren't going to be into it, then I just went straight SOP and yeah. just take it through. But, you know, I would award the good boats or people who are having a good time. Yeah, because we are basically <laughs> benevolent gods. Yes. Placing our will down upon the masses. It is. I mean, no, there is a certain high that you get. And there's times when... The people are in a good mood, and the jokes are clicking, and you can do no wrong, and yeah. it's like an awesome feeling, and they like bend to your will, well, and, and you make a, their entire day sometimes. And it's a shame, because I can tell that you were one of those low-energy skippers <laughs> who really didn't... You know didn't. what? Actually, I did. I had two personas. Yep. I had one persona, which is kind of like, a, as you hear right now, and I'm very out there. Natural. And and very, very natural. Yeah. And then there'd be times when I was just... I, was, I played the jerk. And so people would come in, and be like, hello, and be like, hi. Like, oh, you know, can I have your autograph? I'd be like, no. Did, did you ever, up in L.A., there was a restaurant called Ed DeBevix? I know Ed DeBevix. So you know that that type of, there were a lot of people who ran their Jungle Cruise oh, yeah. personas around the Ed DeBevix concept. Yeah, I didn't. Let, let's be intentionally a little abrasive. You know what? A lot of it also depended on the sound system of the boat. Yeah, absolutely. If I had a good microphone system and it really picked up my voice well, yeah. then I could be very dry and monotone and make it funny. Well, and the problem with jungle is it's not just the the it's not just the amp, it's the mic and the amp yes. together. Yes. And then you throw in the speakers. You've got three elements that all can go wrong. The Irrawaddy and- was my favorite boat. <laughs> no, it had the best sound system. Yeah. If I got the Irrawaddy, I was stoked because I could be very gregarious or I could be very deadpan, and right. my jokes would work. See, and with, with Amazon, I hated because it was yep. very tinny sound, and yep. so I would have to use. Did, my did you did you bring out like three microphones in the morning, like we did, where <laughs> we would bring out like three mics out of mic storage? I would test them to yeah. test each of the ones that were. See, we're all the same. And the same thing with spotlights. Yeah, because spotlight. when I, when I was at night, I had to have the spotlight that did not illuminate everything. Oh, I wanted people to look exactly focus. what I did. Tight focus. You know, the, the hard part about the, the, the spotlights is that when you had summers where you had eight boats on the river yep. and you had four spotlights in rehab and you had four on the dock. Yeah. And you're trying to trying to scavenge. The like, good one. Yeah. It'd be like, it'd be like you know you're going to be closing. When you come on, you kind of stash one. Yeah, you put I would. It, you and put when it on the thought, boat. When someone was pulling their boat off the storage, I'm like, yeah. I see. I will take their spotlight yeah. and I'll switch it out. Yeah, yeah. Because spots are. I mean, spots were for the people who were into it. You could tell the skips that had the spots were the ones who were well, gonna, like who the were two gonna, el- like the two elephant joke, Skippy. Yeah, right. The fastest elephant in the world. And unless you had a good spot, that joke did not yeah. work. Yeah. And every time I had the good spotlight that was nice and tight, and I'd go from one side of the river to the other. Yep. Laughter guaranteed. Every All time. right, I'll, I'll tell you my spotlight joke. Okay. I, I ran a different type of joke with it. I'd get to Schweitzer. Okay. 
I'd stop under the waterfall and not tell the backside of water joke. And it only works if I had a lot of spacing behind me. Okay. So I'd put the spotlight on the wall, and I'd tell people that look at the little reflective metal flex. You know what that is? It's pyrite. Yeah. Uh, it's a fool's gold. Oh, yeah. And it's only found in three places in the world: Cuba, Jamaica, and at Disneyland. It's actually the world famous pyrite of the Caribbean. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> That was the reaction. Yeah, that's I not that's not bad. Was, you got the groans, but groans is just as groans. good as a laugh. You know, and that's I was a, I was the let's go for the intellectual. You know, yeah. I'd rather have a groan than a than yeah, a yeah. I you know what? It's I had lots of different styles. You know, yeah. I would you know well, um, especially if you were there four years. I mean, I that, would engage a lot time. of people. I would do a lot of just improv, and I would make fun of people. Um, and if someone didn't get a joke and they were in a good mood with their family or whatever it is, I would pick on that person for the entire yep. time. Yep. And that's just sort of how I, I did my stick. <laughs> well, which is, you know, Disney magic. Yeah. Is, hey, because, you know, it's actually not bad because people feel like they're the center of attention. Well, Even which if- is fu- like, you got to keep it fresh. But the best part was um, I remember one time when, obviously, you know, everyone who's ever worked in the show and, and for people who are listening who don't understand it is, SOP means standard operating procedure. Yep. Or, and or, we had as an actual script. Yeah, or LOG, which is the one that replaced it, which was uh, local operation guidelines, ah. because they have to change the the analogies yeah. to confuse the hell so, out of So us. for all you folks in listener land, we actually have a script. We don't write our own material. Yep. And you're supposed to stick to the script because it's safe and you're fine. And because Disney lawyers like e- safe and exactly. fine. Exactly. You can get in trouble if you go off book. Everyone goes off book. And if you get caught, you get a slap on the wrist, whatever it is. But yeah. um, if you do a good job going off book, no one cares. Exactly. Except one time if, I did. If you stay in the spirit <laughs> yes. of the ride. So I remember it was raining. And uh, usually when it's raining, people are usually in a good mood because they, they stick around. And it was a great boat. They all laughed. They're all the right places. And afterwards, one of the moms got off the boat. And she goes to my lead, my boss. Yep. And she goes, that Cisco guy... He was a great captain. He was really nice to my kid. It was so funny. And he told jokes I have never heard before. And I'm sitting there in the boat, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, thanks. He just outed me. You're, you're, um, okay, so this would, have been, this would have been early 90s. Yes. So if you get a chance when you get to listen to the podcast, <laughs> in almost every one of the 50 episodes, yeah. we talk about the fact that the worst guest compliment Yes. Was one that went to City Hall and said, those jokes were great. I've never heard a single one of them before. Yeah, it's nothing new. That, that's the immediate, let's go talk to someone upstairs. So um, so as far as just uh, the hangout time, uh, working with people, uh-huh. uh, summers, of course, were amazing. Yes. Uh, until it hit like 90, 95, and then it became a sauna. Um, yeah, humidity is a bad time. Yeah, it was a little rough in the jungle. Um, any, any people that totally made your time there? Were there any people that... That you were team trying- courtesy. Have you ever heard of team courtesy? I, I know courtesy. I know what that means. Okay. Um, what does courtesy mean for our listeners? Uh, courtesy is uh, if a skipper wishes to let another skipper know yes. that an attractive member of the opposite and/or same sex, yes, depending on the orientation, right, uh, would give a uh, a call out of either courtesy or make a C symbol exactly with their hands. See, that that's held on for right. generations. Exactly. So. Um, we have softball leagues, yep. right? And there's different, like, Adventureland will have their softball hey, and, team. And, and hit, hit It Skips are the, uh, the the team that's right, right. now. They, so, just, they just won the championship. Wow. They're, they're, well, they're, we had our own softball team, and we were the anti-softball team. Got it. And we had the worst players in the entire park. And we lost every game, and we loved it. Good. And we called ourselves Team Courtesy. Well, because you were pretty out there, is what you were saying. Exactly. Um, and so we would have themed nights. We would have Otter Pop Night. And... We would give otter pops to anybody. If they even got a base hit, that was a reward. 
we would have barbecues in center field. Um, no one wanted to play us because we didn't take it seriously. But the first year Team Courtesy started, it became this culture thing. And for, I think, a period of like two or three years, people, more people would come to the Team Courtesy games because they were just fun. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, and even one time, uh, like, there was this team called the Mighty Ducks. And like, oh, what a lame name. It was the hockey team. The actual hockey team played us. And it was super <laughs> cool. And so all those people, in my roommate and everyone that, it was the entire team courtesy, that's what made the experience. Um, and we all pretty much started on John Cruise. And then as we got trained on other rides, team courtesy just sort of stayed as a nuclear group. Yep. And that was probably what made the whole experience for me. Yeah, because it is almost a fraternity slash, you know, Very even, much so. even when they introduced the ladies, it still was part of that, you know, I, we've, we've, we've commented over the years that uh, we want to, uh, you know, there's the fraternal order of elk. Yes. And the fraternal, you know, all that stuff. We want a fraternal order of hippos <laughs> that only jungle cruise skippers can join or ex-jungle, well, there's no ex-jungle cruise skipper, uh, recovering jungle Reco- cruise skipper. Yeah, that's right. I've, I've been uh, in recovery for about 20 years now. I've, I've been clean now for five <laughs> years. Uh, I actually have a t-shirt that um, was Jurassic Park parody where it has a skeleton of an elephant on the back and saying 38 years the making when we yep. celebrated 38 years of Jungle Cruise and that yep. was 28 years ago. Amazing. Uh, and yeah, it's kind of scary that Jurassic Park came out 20 years ago. That's right, yeah. It was it was 20 I had, Actually, I Facebooked the picture. I still have that t-shirt yep. from that summer. So it's... Well, and Facebook's made this so much more fun to get together with. Yeah, I mean, that's been great for that. Um, so who, I mean, anyone, who else was on the, the Team Courtesy? Oh, the big name? all the guys at the, my table over there. So there's Jason Rice... And there's Matt Bowen, and there's Chad Gorsuch, and Larry Camel was part of it, and yep. Jim Vest, and Brian Gardner. Yeah, they're the peeps. We were we were the popular people for like two years. The only chance you got it in your whole entire social life Which, to be part of that group. See, and people, and one of the things that I guess people don't get when they go to the park as a guest yeah. is there's just as many cliques as there are in high school. Even more so. And Jungle were the funny kids that no one wanted to be, <laughs> no one wanted to be seen hanging out with them. That's right. But you kind of wanted to because they were cool, but they were the... Well, what's bizarre is to this day, I get people out of the blue who recognize me on John Cruise yeah. when they were guests yeah. because they were videotaping everything and they said, oh, we were just watching this tape and at least I've gotten that comment I mean, five or six times. Yeah, 20 years ago. And, and when you think about, you know, if you're on John Cruise for like three or four years and you're given, you know... 50 cruises a day, yeah. um, and one of those people on the boat has a camera, you're going to be on a lot of TV screens, so it's kind of trippy sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how much your soul has been taken <laughs> and fragmented, because, you know, the, the cultures that believe that the photograph would take your soul. Exactly. So, Or the other way of looking at it is uh, the camera adds 10 pounds, so over your life, you've been on lots of cameras. I have. I would be like Jabba the Hutt of the Jungle Cruise World right now. Um, so real quick, uh, sure. uh, I'll let you get back to the reveling and the <laughs> and the sending other well, people. Well, try to bring over some of my yeah, patriots over here because they got funnier stories than I got. Yeah, well, just yeah, send them over because I because we got another. I'm here for at least another hour. Okay. So, um, so celebrities. Who? I mean, we all have our celebrity stories. Yes, Bruce Willis was on my butt one time. Jackass. Yes. Yeah, and I totally broke character. This is like. My first week there. Yeah. And he came on, he came, and as soon as he showed up, and we're supposed to, like, you know, play it low-key, he stands up, I'm like, oh, my God, it's, look, everyone, it's Bruce Willis, it's Bruce Willis. <laughs> he looked so uncomfortable the entire trip, and I just couldn't get over it because I didn't care. It was Bruce yeah. Willis. And then and then after a while, you know, Meredith Baxter Bernie, and I think I had, like, um, 
Like, a lot of B actors. Yeah. Like you see them in action movies, you're not yeah. really sure who they are. But yeah, well, you, know. you recognize them, but you don't know. I, I was doing front load, and uh-huh. there was a long spacing. And the guy in the front of the line, I knew that I knew him from somewhere. Yeah. But I thought it was my photography business. So I'm talking, <laughs> I'm just talking to like a regular person. And then I realized he was the guy who won one of the top chef seasons. Really? That's kind of cool. And But I didn't know no. that. And it was just like, oh, ow, maybe I totally misremembered that. Um, so, no, I mean, I think we all have had our, you know, our amazing guest moments with yes. that. Um, luckily, they send plaids on the boats to remind us to not be idiots. <laughs> um, I had uh, Rebecca Romain Stamos and John Stamos on the boat. He is like, oh, how did he become a Beach Boy? He's a hardcore Disney guy. I, I mean, know, but like, like, somehow he was like inducted into the Beach Boy Hall of Fame with the guys. And I don't know. Yeah. I see him at the, I, I work at Warner Brothers now, and I see him at the studio every once in a while. Cool. Nice guy. Cool. Great tan. He's oh, always yeah. tan. Oh, yeah. No matter, like, he has like I, the Estee Lauder stuff. Like, well, all I, the time. I think it's the genetic mutations they put him <laughs> in there. Because, you know, because, you know, because, uh, uh uh, Rebecca yeah. played Mystique in the X-Men movies, so maybe that rubbed off. I don't know. He can control his tan level. He let her go too. Like, how does oh, that work out? Yeah. Like, dude, it's but I'll it's, tell you, I'll tell you the rest of that story off the mic, because <laughs> I think I've repeated it like every third episode and you know how it is. So uh, so yeah, so I mean uh, anything else that just sticks out in your mind is being Um an embarrassing moment, I guess. I'll have those. Um there was a lady one time that she started breastfeeding. On my boat, which is not an unusual occurrence. But that actually is very strange. Usually the babies are the ones that are breastfeeding. The fact that it was a lady (laughs) breastfeeding. A lady was breastfeeding her baby. Oh, that changes. Yes, That changes the entire thing. She was not shy about it. It wasn't dark. She didn't have a blanket. She just started. She just popped out. And I'm the type of person that when I get nervous, I make jokes. Did she pop them out on the on the captain's crate there and just like, you uh, know. She was actually sitting in the center console. Got it. So she. And so I'm, I'm my were back's getting, to the bow of the you boat. Were, you, were, you were trying to do the breast Threaten, job you could. Exactly. <laughs> and everyone saw what she was doing. Right. And they kind of got uncomfortable too. Yeah. So me and my infinite wisdom, I decided to make light of the situation. And so I said, excuse me, miss. Uh. Unless you have enough for everybody, <laughs> I suggest you put that away and leave it for after class. Um, I think one person in the back of the boat laughed. Everyone else was too afraid. That was one of the slowest eight-minute boat rides I think I've ever done. And I was just waiting to get, like, reprimanded afterwards. But, you know. I, I had for a while, because we had the white shirts, the Indiana Jones white yeah. shirts for a while. So I would make this joke about how the guys in the dock were uh, examples of the rare white-breasted boobies. Yeah. <laughs> and I made that joke when there was a lady passing in back of the smokestack who I didn't see wearing a white sweater. Yeah, that could be With bad. the largest implants I've ever seen. So Implants are like pizza. Even at the worst, they're still pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So. All right, my friend. Well, hopefully okay. you get a chance to, to catch us up on... On listening, and I'm I'm up in Culver City, Pasadena. Oh, okay, I'm in so Burbank. Maybe we'll grab someone else, you know, and we'll actually sit down and have an entire shindig. I would love that. That'd be awesome. Okay. So, guys, thanks, uh, Skipper Cisco from the '90s joining us, yep. and uh, we're gonna get some more people here from this giant, giant party of awesome. Yes. All right, guys, Kungaloo. See ya. <laughs>